Okay. Isn't this fun, right? Isn't knowing Jesus like super fun? Like you get to do this stuff and then like I get to call this my job. <laughs> How cool is that? So anyway, welcome. For those of you that haven't met me, my name is Nick. Uh, Nick Commence and together with Chris, we are the senior pastors here at Asher Vineyard. You've caught us at the beginning of a new series where we are talking about what, as Ashford Vineyard, what are we going after? What are we aiming for? What is the point of Ashford Vineyard being here? That's what we've been discussing and thinking about. And for Chris and I, the vision for Asher Vineyard started about 10 years ago when we knew we were going to come and plant a church, just like these guys. Um, so we came to Ashford. Um, we'd been imagining and thinking, what's our vision? And we wrote that down. And that was our vision statement. And it remained pretty much unchanged for the last 10 years. And in it, we dreamt in our hearts about what it could be like to come to Ashford and plant a church. And that church started in our lounge and with Lucy, who was about 16 months old at the time. And then we strategically grew the church by having a baby three weeks later. And so then we had four in the church. So again, maybe this is a strategy, Dave and Laura, you never know. Um, so we then had four of us. We didn't know anyone in Ashford, but we had a dream burning within us to see Ashford transformed and lives changed. And that's what started to kind of grow and accumulate over the years. But about 12 months ago, we started to consider how we express our vision. And that vision statement that had done us so well for that 10 years, we started to discuss maybe there's a new way of expressing what we're for what we're going after, why are we here? And it's not that we were doing anything wrong, it's more that when you grow up, you express things differently. So if I asked a five-year-old what they want to do when they're older, they would express that differently from a 15-year-old. It's not that one's right or wrong, it's just that as we grow up, we express things differently. And so this expression, this discussion was 12 months really of praying, fasting, talking, getting together with leaders, dreaming and thinking how can we communicate what we're about in a new way. And so what we decided to do was narrow that down to some aims of what are, if we could dilute it all down, what would it be like to say what are we here for and what are we doing? And this is what we came up with as the six aims. Now, the first one is what I'm going to be talking about this morning, and this is increasing people's connection to God as Father. As Ashford Vineyard, if we're not doing this, we might as well pack up and go home. Because actually, there are some brilliant charities and organisations that do lots of other things. But something which we are called to as the church is to help people connect with God as Father. That is a non-negotiable. If we're not doing that in everything we do, then what's the point? Why are we even here? Because that is at the heart of everything. And then the others, I will read for the purpose of the podcast, are reducing the impact of poverty, improving aspirations and opportunities for young people, improving people's health and well-being, developing leaders and strengthening families. Now, those other ones aren't in any particular order, but number one is number one for a reason. And we've said that everything we do as Ashford Vineyard, any project, any program, any activity we do, should fit into something from number two to six. But everything should have something going after number one. Absolutely everything. Whether that's Mummy's Meals or our Toddles group or our Bumps to Babes group or the Beehive. Yes, we're doing other things, but everything should also have something that points to the first. And the reason for that is because this is at the core of who we are. 
You see, we weren't created as human beings to be God's servants or his slaves. He didn't create us for us to get his job done for him. That's not what he was about. He didn't create us for his entertainment, although I'm sure we entertain him regularly. He didn't didn't create us for that. He created us as sons and daughters. That changes everything. Because when we understand the dynamic between father and child and that relationship, it looks totally different from us just getting a job done while we're on earth or trying to live well so we end up in heaven. I mean, that's somehow the world has ended up with this view of Christianity that we're these do-gooders that are trying to get to heaven. How incredibly sad. How incredibly sad. And if that's all we ever end up doing, we should really pack up and go home. Because we are in a place where we are children. We are heirs. And Romans 8 in the Bible describes this more beautifully than I could. So... In Romans, which is a letter that Paul, super church planter Paul, wrote to the church in Rome, this is how he described that relationship. He said, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. And Abba, the closest translation you can find to that really is like Daddy. It's not father. It's not like this cold relationship, which there's a title but no connection. It's like daddy, Abba, father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. And God's glory is all his goodness. We get to inherit that. We are his heirs. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. And there's a translation called the Passion Translation, which sums up for me the heart of why this aim is going into everything we do. And it is this. The same verses, verses 15, 16 says, You did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into a fear of never being good enough. I don't know about you. I am done with living under trying to be good enough. It is just soul-destroying. Constantly, society will tell you, got to try harder, must try harder, must do better. I remember having the girls and looking at everyone on Facebook being perfect parents and thinking, oh my goodness, I am the worst parent ever, and then realizing that they all had all the same struggles and, and insecurities that I did, but everyone's just too afraid to be themselves. And there's this religious duty that says, you've got to be enough, you've got to be enough, you've got to be good enough, got to get it right, got to live right, don't screw up, all of that. And this is saying, that's not what a father-child relationship is. A father-child relationship is saying, come to me when you're struggling. You're enough. I love you totally as you are, and I've got amazing dreams and plans for you. It says you have received the spirit of full acceptance, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Feeling orphaned is something which causes our behavior to respond in a way that says, I've got this, thanks. That's what being, feeling orphaned looks like. When we look and, and look to a dad, a mum or a dad, to have our back, and when we feel like we can't trust them, 
and we can't go to them with our deepest insecurities, the orphan spirit says, I've got this, I'm going to have to do this on my own. It's me against the world. That's what the orphan says. But the, the son or daughter says, it's me and my dad against the world. My dad's got this. Me and my dad, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing most days. I've no idea. And do you know what? I put my hand in his at the beginning of every day and I say, God, I need you as a dad today. And he shows up every single time. And that is why this is at the heart of what we're going after. And society will show you every day of the week what fatherlessness does. You only have to look in the papers. And James, who oversees our youth here, works in prisons with young offenders. And you only have to spend two minutes with him to see what the impact of not having active fathers in people's lives are. You know the um, 2011 riots in London? Out of 19 of the young people arrested, only two had a dad actively playing a part in their life. That is not accidental. We need a father. And in a world where very often fathers are doing their best, but they just make mistakes and they're human, we need to look to God to show us what an actual, true, never-failing, never-ending, loving father is like. He's the only one that can show us. This isn't some big dad bashing. Do you know what? There are dads all over the world that are trying their best every day and their kids still need more. And that is where we can look to God as a father. So how are we going to do this as we aim for going after this as Ashford Vineyard? Well, we recognise that this is going to look different for different people. If you're someone that's never met Jesus before, you've never had a relationship with God, it's going to look different from you than someone who has spent their whole life in a relationship with God. And the way we describe the way we do church here at Asher Vineyard is a centred set. And we describe it like this. And this means that for a lot of organisations, they are what we call a bounded set. There's a circle and there's an in and there's an out. So if you behave a certain way, you're in. If you don't behave that way, you're out. If you wear a particular uniform or set of clothes, you're in. If you don't wear that uniform, you're out. If you believe a certain thing, you're in. If you don't believe it, you're out. And many, many organizations, including churches, can often look a bit like this. There's this in and out. Well, we believe that God invited us to plant a church based around this model, which is a centered set, which says, Jesus is in the middle and everyone else is around the outside. And you know what? Some people are walking towards him. Some people are walking away from him. Some people are standing still and wondering. I meet a lot of people in that position. Some people are on their way and they're just glancing back over their shoulder and wondering. And what we do is our job is not to create an in or an out and to get people to make a decision to be in or an out. Our job is to be signposts to people to say, have you seen what Jesus is like? Look over there. Come a bit closer. Look what he's like. Did you see how kind he was? Did you see how generous he was? Did you see how loving he was? Look this way. Go and look. He's over there. And that actually, as we do that, we see people at all walks of faith journey and none starting to wonder and walk towards Jesus. And so that is how we have arranged our aim for this, if you like, with some sub-aims that account for people at different stages. The first one is increasing people's opportunities to encounter God. This is people who've never met him before, have no relationship with him, don't even know if they believe in him or not. 
We are pursuing as a church family, going after introducing people to God through encounter. Because do you know what? God doesn't invite us to just know him here. The Bible says, taste and see how good God is. Taste it. Tasting is experiential. Seeing is experiential. Taste and see how good God is. And that is something that we are invited into. And when we look at this, you might say, well, how are we doing this at Asher Vineyard? Well, everywhere that any of you ever go who've said yes to Jesus. If you're in a relationship with him, everywhere you go, you carry him with you. Everywhere. Which means that everywhere you go, you can bring an encounter for somebody else as they get to meet him, as they interact with you. Whether this is through toddles or beehive or bumps to babes or any of those things that we're doing or Compassion Cafe... Anything we do where we invite an encounter with God as people get to know him personally. And I tried to come up with some stories of things we've seen happen at AV um, that would show we are doing this. And do you know I had a brilliant problem? I couldn't narrow it down. I actually had such a brilliant problem. I came up with about 40 where I was like, oh, and then that, oh, and then there was that, and that, and that, and that, of where people are bumping into Jesus who've never met him before and it's changing their life. And I'm going to show you a little clip of our lovely Liz Thatcher. Um, she said, do you know, she's so thrilled we're using a clip of her this morning. Do you know, please go over to her afterwards and say, Liz, you were wonderful. Let's talk about you being on the screen because she's so excited about it. So, um, yeah, so just have a look to the screen just for a second and listen to Liz. I'm still really trying to process what just happened. I just sat down next to a girl and she just shared with me that she's got an immense amount of grief and pain from her granddad who died about five years ago. She still felt guilt and she doesn't know how she can possibly replace him. So I introduced her to Jesus and she's felt that all that pain and guilt being lifted from her, she feels so much better. So I took her on to the beehive to give her a coffee and let her just process what's happened. Um, and there I met a girl, a lady, who is delighted to be there to be able to tell me that uh, having prayed for her recently, she is now completely free from cancer. Yes! It's <laughs> good, right? I said to Mark earlier, I was like, can we just leave that up just for a minute, just to fill our tank with joy? Do you know what? This is what happens when you take risks and you go out and you say, I want people who've never met him to encounter him. When you do that and then you get to see God show up and do incredible, impossible things, that is what that feels like. And this was at Healing on the Streets, which we do every two weeks. We go out um, onto the streets of Ashford and we just pray for people for healing. And, you know, incredible things happen every single time. And if you've never been, you should come. I, I would describe it as terrifying and exhilarating at the same time, because actually you have to take a risk and be willing to put yourself out there and maybe look a bit stupid. But do you know what? That woman got her life changed that day because Liz took a risk and decided that her fear and her worry about looking stupid wasn't as important as people getting free as they get to realise that they are loved. So I would really encourage you to come and play a part in that. So to save Liz, you can sit back up in your chair now, Liz. Um, <laughs> The next thing that we are going after is this, which is encouraging decisions of yes to Jesus. Now, you might say, hang on a minute, Nick. You put up a diagram a minute ago that says there's no in and there's no out and everyone's around the outside and moving in different directions. And now you're saying you want people to make a decision of yes to Jesus. Well, that sounds like in and out to me. And I would say it isn't. 
It's a both and. Because actually, there is a moment that happens in your life where you go from wondering to pursuing. There's a moment where you go from saying, do you know what? I'm in. I'm absolutely in. And there's a transactional moment that happens when we step from one place, one heart condition, one head condition, into another where we say, from this point on, I'm walking that way. Now, the problem comes when Christians and churches try and work out when that point happens for people. And then they quantify how good they are or not as a Christian according to whether they've made the decision. We get too hung up on where people's dotted line is. I would suggest stop worrying about other people's dotted line and worry about your direction of travel more. That's what I would suggest, just throwing it out there. But what I would say is there is a dotted line and there is a transactional moment. And so we read about it in the Bible. It says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. There's a moment he moves us from darkness to light. He moves us from this place to this place. He moves us from disconnection to connection. And that requires a transactional moment, a bit like a marriage. It doesn't mean it's not love before you get married, but there's something about saying out loud, I am in, all of me, all of you, forever, I'm in. There's something about that moment that moves you from, we're going to see how this goes, to I'm in for the rest of my life, all of me. And that is why we are encouraging people to say yes to Jesus. Now, what I have to add here is, There is no point trying to manipulate or persuade anyone to say yes to Jesus. It's totally empty, completely hollow. If I were to be really persuasive and tell you all the reasons why Jesus is brilliant and say, now you need to say yes to him, and you say the words, but your heart isn't engaged, I guarantee you within months when life gets hard, you'll start walking another way. So this should never be a statistic that we just create as a tick box at Ashford Vineyard. Tick, they said yes to Jesus. Tick, they said yes to Jesus. Tick. We should always celebrate it, always. In fact, we had someone in the first service that said yes to Jesus for the first time. And we celebrated because we should be celebrating and having a party every time it happens. And we should realise that it's just the beginning. But it is worth celebrating and it is worth pursuing. And finally... We are going after helping people to grow in their relationship with God. Because saying yes, as I've just said, is just the start. We are a people passionate about becoming more like Jesus. And for that to happen, we have to grow. We have to change. We have to be willing to sacrifice, to want to know him better, to be so obsessed with him that we become so like him that we can't help ourselves but introduce other people to him. And I'm going to hand you to a little video of our lovely Charlotte Rawling. Some of you will know her. Charlotte has been on an incredible growth journey this year. Um, She has been a teacher for all of her working life and an absolutely brilliant teacher at that. She won Teacher of the Year. She knew she was a good teacher and she said, I know, I can do this job. I'm really good at it. And then she felt God say to her, I want you to give up teaching because I've got something else for you. And at the beginning of last year, she decided to step away from the classroom for good and into the unknown. It turns out her identity was quite kind of caught up in being a good teacher and her financial salary was also completely tied up in being a teacher. And she said, I'm going to step away because I feel like God's inviting me into more of him. And this is just her describing a little of what that last year has looked like for her. Um, My relationship with God looks like positioning now. It looks like how 
I positioned myself in a real sense of vulnerability to give up my job and my salary um, because I was just so desperate yeah really desperate just to know more of what God had for me and just to do more stuff for him um, I think that I think that that word position is really important because I'm somebody that loves a list and I love to know what's next and I love being intentional and all the things around organization and God's just been teaching me that this season is about being um, rather than doing um, which is difficult and hard and I think to further our relationship with Jesus there's an element of sacrifice that we have to put things down but I just feel like God's been tightly holding me like this and just showing me that he is there constantly in everything that I do and there's a really beautiful worship song called um, walk into a room and the words go when I walk into a room everything changes and I started to consider I know that I carry Jesus on the inside of me what would that look like if I embraced that and it's amazing so super Christian points reading my bible every day praying all those things that were my doing things that I thought I needed to be doing now I come from being because I want to be more like him I want to be I want to be doing his stuff and in doing that I have a real sense of wanting to dip into my Bible and I want to pray more and I want to hang out with people that know Jesus more and I want to be with the broken people and I want to be with the people who are amazingly up here in their relationship with God and I want to be learning from them so yeah when you get to know God it's just the start of an amazing adventure and those adventures will have highs and they'll have lows but wow just be not do so that's my little thought for the day so she fab we love her so you can hear from charlotte this is she's not saying and then i started to grow in my relationship with god and everything was easy she did not say that but wow i can see her more fulfilled than ever and what dave and laura are doing as they embark upon dover vineyard that is not an easy response but man alive they're going to grow in their relationship with god as they rely on him and as they lean in they will get to know him better and they will be changed and i i absolutely guarantee they will be more fulfilled as a result of stepping out and taking that risk and so that's what we want to go after. This is what, in everything we do at Ashford Vineyard, any day of any week, at any time, we want to be seeing these things at play. And we all want to be a part of this together. This is a family. And that means that we've got all the different members of the family working together to see these things happen. And you might look and think, okay, yeah, that one, I can see I've got a part to play there. The others, I'm not so sure. But I would encourage you, you all have a part to play. Everybody has a part to play. And we have a phrase that is perhaps overused, but I still like it, which is, we get to do this. This isn't, we've got to do this. We get to do this. We get to go into Ashford and bring hope. We get to go into Ashford and tell people, you are loved more than you could ever imagine, even on your worst day, when you feel most ashamed, you are totally loved. We get to do that. 
And this is what we will be running after for the rest of our lives. It may get worded differently at some point, but for now it's worded like that. But the heart is exactly the same, which is we desperately want people to connect with God as a father. We want him to encounter him just as they're going about their lives, completely oblivious to the impact he wants to have. We want to see people in that transactional moment of moving from a place of their heart being far from him to a heart being running after him. And we want to see from that day on, for every day of their lives thereafter, them pursuing, growing and becoming more like him. So are you in? Are you coming with us? Good. And some of you are. That's good. Good news. (laughs) Good. So we're going to stand and pray as we finish. Father God, I thank you that you are so consistent that where our earthly dads may have let us down or done their best but still hurt us or left us feeling like it's us against the world, I thank you that you are right there with a hand open for us to say, let's do this together. Father, I thank you that you have called each and every person in this room to play a part in that story. I thank you that you are inviting us to get to know you better. And I thank you that it will look totally different for each one of us. I thank you for all the ways that you have given us at Asher Vineyard, your ideas, your visions for all the things that we do to try and be a greenhouse for these things to happen. And we want more. And we ask for more. And we say we won't be satisfied until we see this town transformed by you as a father, connecting with us as your kids. Use us, Father. And right now, as we stand here, God, I ask that you would show every single one of us in this moment now, you would show us a next step. Show us a person or a place or a picture a name, a Bible verse, just something. Drop it into our minds right now. We are open-hearted and open-minded to hear from you, that you would show us how you're inviting us into the adventure. Father, give us the boldness and the courage to run after what you say. Because when you speak, we know that it never goes and falls empty. And just, um, I'd invite you just to close your eyes if you want or keep them closed. Uh, Every week we just like to give people an opportunity. If you are here this morning and you have never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, on that picture, you've never actually said, from this day forward, I'm walking that way. If you would like to say yes to Jesus this morning for the first time, then where you're stood, everyone's eyes will be closed. I encourage you to raise your hand. And we won't embarrass you, but we'll just come and find you afterwards. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, We've got a gift we'd love to give you. But just in this moment now, if that is you and you have never said, from now on I'm walking that way, and you'd like to do that today, just give me a wave and we will come and find you after. Amen. Thank you, God. Father, we thank you that our best is yet to come. We thank you that this is a year of promise and hope and that you are so for us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.